Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, February 26th. Before we get to any sponsors or plugging, a huge happy birthday, of course, to our founder, Dalton Thieneman. It is, what is he turning, Parker, 28? 28 confirmed in the background. I think 29. Wow, he's older than he looks, um, which might be a good thing. But happy birthday to Dalton. That was super producers. Parker Thieneman, Daniel Westhoff in the background. Uh, so big happy birthday to you, DT. Of course, we love you and appreciate all you do for us at Crack Rackets. Just so you guys did. Westhoff, give him a happy birthday sound effect, please. Happy birthday! But of course, it's a Tuesday night. We're, it's Wednesday. It means we're at the halfway point. It means we are right between when last week's college tennis results ended. Another weekend of college tennis ahead of us. That's what we're going to be breaking down today. And joining me to do that, of course, is the two other members of our college tennis trinity here at Crack Rackets. Let's start with our favorite writer at CrackRackets.com, the former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, co-host of the No Longer Wednesday Mini Break episode, but they'll be at a different date during the week with Jamie McDonald and, of course, a man we affectionately refer to as Matt the Cracks Koyak. Matty, welcome back to the Mini Break. How are you doing? What's going on, Gruskin? Doing well, man. Doing very well. How are you doing? You got your voice back? Feeling good? You can hear it, right? My voice is back. It's beautiful, man. I, I, I have to say that I, I really missed that voice of yours, man. So I'm just I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm thrilled that you're back. You're the only one I see West stuff in the background flipping me off like, oh, your voice is back. <laughs> yeah. uh, so he may not be as appreciative as you are. But, yeah, it is. I am feeling healthy once again. I've got the beautiful alto tones returned to me. Um, no longer sounds like I'm chain smoking. I may still be chain smoking, but at least you guys can't hear that um, anymore. But, of course, joining us, Maddie, to break down uh, the past week's action, you know him, of course, as the forefather of the College Tennis Ranks Formula Predictions Never Far from the listed UTR and one of the many dames and emphasis on many because the results get better and better as the season go dames who roots for the Liberty Flames Chris Halliores welcome back to the mini break oh it's now been a full week of separation I feel like you don't love me as much I know yeah it's been a while I mean your voice you've gone through puberty since then I mean (laughs) all the voice cracking's gone It's, it's great yeah no, I can promise a few voice cracks. Don't worry. That part's still go- ongoing. Yeah, that's a continuous struggle. Um, well, that, I mean, but it, it, Michigan, maybe, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> when, I get, yeah, when I get upset, it gets an octave higher. There's no denying that. <laughs> and no one gets me upset quite like you two. So uh, we will get to that in a moment. I also want to say before we start, uh, and whenever we do these college tennis recaps, Chris, I want to give you credit because your week ahead, week behind features looking at the, you know, the week behind, the week ahead. I think that's pretty straightforward. Schedule-wise in college tennis, it's really hard to find any sort of list like that. I know the ITA has some, uh, but it's so hard for them to update with how many teams there are. But shout out to you, Chris, because it's such a helpful feature. And seriously, to anyone who's not already watching that, going and checking that out, be sure to go do so. Um, that being said, before we get into the podcast, got to give a shout out to our friends at Diadem. Diadem Sports on the forefront of all innovations going on right now in tennis technology, uh, rackets, strings, even gear, you name it, they've got it. We were so fortunate to get to talk to co-founder AJ Bartlett on a Cracked Interviews podcast that should be released, I believe, on Thursday. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. He tells us all about what's going on there, their new gear, their new products, how you know they've got it. He teases, I don't want to give it away but uh, some different pros, some new pros they're working with and, you know, what they have in the pipeline. So be on the lookout for that. And for any of you who want to give that gear a try already, uh, use the promo code CR50, 50% off your order. You know, any support you can show for them, we would really appreciate because we couldn't do these podcasts without their support for us. So Diadem, you know the deal by now, diademsports.com. That being said, feels like a really tame week college tennis wise you get so spoiled in the run-up to the ita national indoors you have the kickoff weekend and then it's anticipation when are the draws going to come out Ooh, the draws have come out and the next thing you know you know it's minus 10 degrees and you're in madison wisconsin and that all happened so quick and now it's it's not a dead period but we're in that interesting point of the year where you haven't quite started your conference schedules yet you know some teams are now trying to find that struggle of for the northern midwest teams it's let's go 
south. Let's try and get outdoors as early as possible uh, so that we can get ready for, you know, get as acclimated to the outdoor conditions before NCAAs as we can. Uh, for other teams, it's try and get ranking wins. There are some fun invitationals. But, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm curious because this is that weird point in the season. What are the things you look for most during this? You know, are there, it's the non there are still non conference matchups, right? Yeah, I mean, it's still mostly non-conference right now, right? You're just you're getting ready for the conference season. You know, a lot of the the conference seasons for most of the power conferences kind of kind of you know start to get underway end of February, beginning of March. The ACC always has a kind of the, the probably the oddest of all the schedules where they you know they sprinkle them in starting very early, right? Like we had that seems like forever ago we had that Virginia Louisville match, right? Um, but, you know, they sprinkle them in. And then the Big 12 was ridiculously late because it's really the Big 6, right? So so <laughs> take those two out. Yeah, your ACC, SEC, Pac-12, they, they haven't got, got going yet. So, yeah, it, there's still some good non-conference matches. Some schools get, still have some, you know, some big-time matches to play. You know, Ohio State's always got, you know, very good matches on their schedule. Uh, but, yeah, this first week after indoors is usually a fairly tame week because everybody's coming off of that indoors doesn't want to you know keep rolling right into huge matches so uh so nothing nothing earth shattering but uh, but but still lots of good college tennis now the notable result the notable event this weekend the blue and gray national tennis classic Uh, a bunch of teams go down to montgomery alabama i believe it's eight teams to compete in that event uh that's that's the match in the tournament i want to start with because there were a ton of fun results when you look throughout ultimately it was old miss continuing their strong start to the season getting the win they earned victories over Fresno State, Princeton, and Alabama uh, to bring home the title. Chris, let's start with this Ole Miss team, and you're the SEC guy, so uh, I'm not going to say this was a miss by you, but you know we count on you for that intel, and the intel coming in was Ole Miss not going to bring this level of play. Why have they had the success that, you know, kickoff weekend, they knocked off uh, Illinois. They were a match away from beating Michigan, going to the national indoors, and we saw Michigan make the semifinals, certainly. Old Miss could have gone on a run like that as well. Why has this Old Miss team gotten off to such a strong start? Or not even why, maybe, but how? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because it's not the you know the guy that's been the stalwart for for that team. If you look at who's on the roster now, you know the their number one guy, Tim Sancon, is, but he's not the one bringing all the wins in. Um, they're really getting it, uh, you know, a- after that. They're getting a big huge boost and i think that was the big miss coming into the year at least for me jan soren hayne who played six and didn't even play six that well last year for them is playing two and you know doing okay um some some good wins i think he beat kolofsky from oklahoma state there he, he you know he's he's playing well at two they got the new guy in it at four slavic and then you know finn reynolds is is back he he, he had missed time you know a year ago and He's back playing well. Simon Junk has been outstanding at five. Uh, I mean, just just great for them. So, I mean, that's that's kind of th- that middle of that lineup has really been where they've excelled. It's not so much Tim at the top, but but that you know that two through five spots they've been great. Uh, and Simon Junk, at, at, like I said, at five has been outstanding. Yeah, for them, Slavic at four went undefeated on the weekend, three and zero. Ole Miss went undefeated in the doubles point as well. This is a team right now. You look at the team rankings that came out this week uh, in terms of the ITA rankings. Uh, just to clarify, Ole Miss, where are they sitting? They are sitting up all the way to number fourteen. Yeah, Matt, is this a team that you know should this season go well? I, I don't want to say compete for an SEC title because I still think the gap between Florida and everyone else in that conference. And it's, it's pretty big until proven otherwise. But is this a top 16 team? Is this a team that could be hosting the first two rounds of an NCAA tournament? Oh, man. I I don't think so, guys. Um, and, and look, they've surprised us all. It, it's early still. You know, we haven't really gotten into conference play. So I, I think it's still a little bit too early to say all of that. Um, but they've been awesome. I mean, let's be honest. I didn't expect Finn Reynolds at number three to be playing this well. Um, junk at five like Chris mentioned has been awesome down there they're just they're getting contributions from guys that we didn't really expect 
we're going to put up wins like this. So right now, I mean, I think their ranking is deserved. I have no problems with it at this point. But once we get into the conference play, I mean, every single match, I mean, they're going to be up against the Floridas and the A&Ms and the Tennessees, Georgias, Kentuckys, Mississippi State. I mean, you name it. They're every match. It's going to be pretty tough. Um, so I just, you know, I, I feel like at the end of the year, we're going to look back on it and say, yeah, you know, this this team had a solid season. But for me, I, I don't think they're going to be in that top 16. I, I just don't at this point. I want you to know that in the background that was Parker really agreeing with your take, Maddie. Um, no, you look at what this team's accomplished. I mean, their first four wins, two over North Alabama, or maybe the, I think these are just repeated on their schedule. No, two over North Alabama, win over Belmont, win over Jackson State. All of those wins, uh, you know, 4-0 or 7-0. But you look at how this team has been tested since then. Uh, 9-1 and overall. They won at Illinois 4-3. They won against Oklahoma State 4-2. 4-3 over Princeton 4-3 over Alabama. They're beating top 40 teams consistently, and you look at the yeah. stats for them. Uh, it, these contributions are coming from different places. As you mentioned, it's Nikola Slavic right now, 6-1 and one at 4. Uh, Simon Junk, uh, Lucas Engelhart, and Sebastian Rios, uh, uh, and Cotter Wilson, excuse me, a combined 9-1 at the 6 position. And then for them, they're 6-2 and two at the 5 position. So, Chris, you're absolutely right. They're getting the doubles point uh, with some frequency, and then they're finding three wins throughout their lineups. They're not even needing Sand Cullen because they're getting it in other spots. You know the SEC better than anyone. You know how many ranked win opportunities this Ole Miss team will have. I'm sure the question is, can they pull them off ultimately? But where do you project this team moving forward, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, as Maddie said, they've surprised us all. But top 16's got to, would be a tremendously lofty goal. I don't see any way that happens. Uh, I mean, they would have to pull off they would have to continue what they're, they've been doing and then pull off some big wins in the SEC. They're going to get plenty of those opportunities. But, uh, you know, the, the the top of the SEC, still you, you still got Florida and A&M at the top. You still got Georgia, South Carolina, and a question mark next to Tennessee uh, after that. And, and then it's the rest of the pack. And that hasn't changed. What's happened is they've moved themselves up from, you know, thinking that they were sitting maybe – below another pack and above the say the the auburns and and arkansas of the world uh and now maybe they're up there in the midst with the rest of you know all of those teams in the sec and they're winning those close ones they beat alabama 4-3 in the final that's a team that's going to be you know along with teams like kentucky like mississippi state like lsu all you know they're all all right there in that big pack together and it's going to and it's going to be who comes out on you know who emerges from that group. But yeah, I mean, can't argue with, with the results they've had so far. Every one of these close matches with the exception of that, of that match at uh, the ITA kickoff, they've come out on top. Here, last Ole Miss specific question, and Chris, uh, or Matt, you can answer this as well. But Chris, uh, let they have two really tough weekends. They go or two really tough week stretches. They go at the beginning of March. They're at Georgia, at Tennessee. Let's say they go one and one against those two teams. After that, home versus Texas A and M, home versus Florida, home versus South Carolina. Do they need two wins? from that home trip, that week stretch from March 15 to March 22nd, in your mind, let's say they take care of all of their other business, but in those five matches, do they have to go somewhere in the three and two range, do you think, to become a top 16, or could they pull off going two and three? There's no chance they're going, they're winning two of those three matches. I, I, no, 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 no. Two, two, two or three in those five matches. So the at Tennessee, at Georgia, they need to win at least one, and then they steal one from either Texas A&M, Florida, or South Carolina. Not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's a tall ask. I, it's, I would say, I, I would, if I was, you know, if I was the Gruskin fake casino or whatever the hell you call it, I would, uh, <laughs> I, I certainly, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't put my money on it, but. Uh, but I, I think that's tough. I will say that, yeah. I mean, I just don't don't know yet what we'll what we'll see out of out of Tennessee. Um, they're I don't they're not gonna I don't see them beating a, a Florida. But at home, they're always gonna be tough. That's such a crazy hard place to play outdoors. Bunch of drunk fraternity guys everywhere. I mean, 
<laughs> the little gazebo set up on the side of the court. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a very loud and crazy atmosphere. And that's if it's outdoors. Uh, you know, they have indoor courts there too. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't want to keep. I'm gonna don't want to keep doubting them just because they put up. You know, they've they've done so well. I think that's a, I think that's a tall stretch to ask for them to win. You know, two of those matches. I would think that's, you know. Well, hell, their goal is probably even better than that. But I think two would be a great outcome uh, out of those five. And then still taking care of when we say take care of the rest of their business, they're not going to run the table. I mean, I seriously doubt any of those teams that's in that next pack runs the table against all of the others. I mean, there's yeah. just they're all so even between, you know, your Alabamas, your Mississippi State, your, uh, your LSUs, your, your Ole Misses. The, all of the, the Kentuckys, they're so even that they're just, you know, home court advantage could mean a bunch, but for any one of those schools to run the table against all of the rest of them, going to be very difficult. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And Matt, you can answer that question as well, although I think you were pretty clear at the beginning. But to stick SEC in terms of the blue and gray results this weekend, uh, noticeable that Auburn in theirs, I believe they went 0-3 uh, overall. And then you look for Alabama on the flip side. They went 2-1, 4-2 win over Texas Tech, 4-2 win over Arizona before that 4-3 loss to Ole Miss. I mean, your other SEC takeaways, Matt, from this event, what did you think of Alabama's performance? Um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, they got a couple of good wins over Texas Tech and Arizona. I mean, not like those teams are, are world beaters or anything, but I thought it was solid. And then, you know, that match against Ole Miss, obviously, you know, kind of a rivalry matchup there in conference match that they end up dropping. I'm sure they're not happy about that. Um, but just in overall in the SEC, guys, I mean, you guys know this. It's just every match is tough. I mean, the, the competition is so close that nothing is really a gimme. I mean, and so if we're asking a team to, to run the table, you know, against all of these other schools, that's just, that's almost not even fair in, in this type of conference. So I, I think as good as Ole Miss has done so far, I just, they, they're going to drop uh, matches in conference. I mean, there's no question about it, and they're going to have a lot of tough ones. Yeah, I think that's fair. Chris, your final SEC takeaways from this Blue and Gray Classic? Yeah, I was encouraged, I think, by Alabama. had been kind of hit and miss so far. And so I think, you know, to me, those other two schools that you mentioned that they beat, you know, in Texas Tech and Arizona, both, I mean, all three of those matches for Alabama, including the last one against uh, against Ole Miss, were really almost matches that you could have thrown in that toss-up category. Uh, I mean, they could have come out on top or, or, or on the bottom of either, any of those matches. Texas Tech's actually shown – um, shown pretty well l- lately, so I think that was a that was a very encouraging, very encouraging win for them. So uh, I'm enthused there. Auburn kind of, you know, I think some people may have got might have gotten their hopes up when they saw them come in last week. I think ranked like 44. We got out of Auburn. I think what we expect to see, they're going to struggle in the SEC. That's going to be pretty typical. Of, you know, they're going to be a school that's looking to you know try to find two three if they're lucky wins in the sec right um but uh, but yeah i think alabama really really good tournament for them even though they dropped that one four three in the final yeah and uh you know it, again you you guys have both mentioned this uh i'll just reiterate it one last time the depth in the sec there could be what nine tournament teams in there would that be crazy chris nine too many no it wouldn't be crazy i mean that's happened you know that's happened before it's it's they're just that they're that deep um you know eight nine is it's always going to be somewhere in that ballpark yeah and that's going to be a really fun conference to monitor as you mentioned we didn't even we haven't talked about teams like kentucky really at all they've obviously had a really fun start to their season as well so sec is going to be really fun to monitor come conference play one conference we should monitor now because this is your chance to see them play other you know non-ivy league teams watch them play foes uh, from the power five conferences and that's you know it was princeton this weekend at the blue and gray but you know for princeton they beat auburn 4-2 that 4-3 
loss to Ole Miss hurts, but then, you know, they knock off Arizona 4-0. Obviously, between them, between Harvard, who I think is number 11 right now in the rankings after they beat uh, Northwestern 4-3. And then, of course, Columbia, who we saw at the National Indoors. Uh, Chris, I'm going to throw this question to you first. What are the chances that we get multiple top 16 Ivy League seeds? And then also, you know, your thought on the strength of this Ivy League conference. And I haven't looked at their schedules well enough because, you know, uh, your first inclination would be to say no. And I, and I think it, that's probably the, the answer, but the fact that there are multiple teams up there now bodes well, the problem they always have is once they get into conference play, right. They don't, you know, there's usually only a couple good, uh, good by the in terms of rank you know ranking which is where you get your points from so it's hard to earn those points that you need and by the end of this you know right now you're only counting this week five wins count uh and for the next two runs i believe five wins count so you can you can have you know three really good wins at this point and it's 60 percent of your 60 percent of your points but now once we get out by the time we're at the ncaa tournament it's, it's nine wins that count and that's where those Ivy League schools always struggle is to pick up nine quality wins. In fact, sometimes they're taking the default four points for beating any D1 school for their eighth and ninth wins just because they don't have nine nine wins over teams in the top 125. Uh, so I think that's, that's the tough part. To get another top 16 school besides Columbia in there, um, I, we'd really have to run through those schedules and see – who some of those guys had late later in the season, because even though they've got a couple decent wins now, uh, you know, once the number of wins that count increase, they'll drop and they'll drop out of the top 16. So that's going to be, that's going to be very tough. You know, like right now, Harvard's counting a win over a school that was 54 last week. And that's just, you know, by the time you're counting more wins, that's, that's not going to be good enough. Certainly not for a top 16 school. Yeah. Here's my counterpoint to that. Dartmouth, Cornell, Columbia, Harvard, all top 30 teams right now. So, Matt, uh, to flip this to you again, uh, your thoughts on the depth of this Ivy League conference, how you see things shaking out, and just, you know, it feels like if you saw, even if they're not hosts, if you saw two Ivy League teams in the Sweet 16, would that surprise you? Um, maybe not. I mean, it is a very deep conference. The, the Ivy League looks good this year. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that because there's really, there's a a lot of depth and, and all the squads look pretty good um so that's encouraging however i mean it, it's tough to say I, I don't think we're gonna see you know any more than two teams in the top 16 at the most and and maybe not even two i mean when it's all said and done there may only be one ivy league team in the top 16 at the end of the year it's still a little early to tell, but like Chris was talking about with rankings and everything, I just, I think once they get into conference play, you know, they're, they're not going to have the opportunities to get a lot of good wins. So um, even though, I mean, the depth, I mean, the, the conference itself is really good. So, I mean, the wins are, are, are going to be decent. I just, I think at the end of it, I, I'm thinking maybe, maybe two teams at the most, but even that could be a bit of a stretch. I'll say one for sure. What was the more impressive win, Chris? Uh, Harvard's 4-3 win over Northwestern or Princeton knocking off um, Arizona 4-0 in that 4-3 match they lost with Ole Miss? I think I think Princeton taking down Arizona. Um, I mean, Arizona's been they, – they're kind of on the rise, and they've been playing well, and I was expecting more from Arizona, honestly, in that blue-gray classic. Um, I don't – Northwestern to me is, I mean that that's a match Harvard should win. Um, yep. So so I, you know that's not, it's a good win and it's a win they you know they didn't they they couldn't afford to lose it to be where they were at. But yeah, I didn't think you know that not nearly as impressive as I think what I saw from because I wasn't sure per, that Princeton would be Arizona and they handled them you know very easily. So that, that was a good win. But you know back to your question, the more I think about it, just think. Think back to the point last year as we were getting to, hey, who are these top 16 going to be? And the real question was, is Columbia even going to be in the top 16, right? Yeah. They were 
they were skirting with that bubble of a top 16 team and had a very good year. And so if it takes that from Columbia, given that they go to indoors and pick up, you know, wins, the, the point opportunities are, are just going to be so tough to come by. And I'm sitting, I'm looking at like Harvard's schedule and outside of the Ivy league, they've got Pepperdine, Texas and San Diego. Look, they're not going to, I mean, I seriously doubt, I won't say they're not, I doubt they're going to beat Texas. It is a home match. Um, but if they get San Diego and Pepperdine, those are two decently ranked teams right now that could provide points, but still they're already counting a really low score for their fifth one. Now it's, it's going to be tough to get big points in there to compete with the teams that are going to be in the top 16. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And you look at what they did last year at the indoors. Uh, they lost to Wake, but they beat Notre Dame and Baylor this year. Uh, they get two wins as well. Uh, they knock off Florida, or they lose to Florida, but they knock off South Carolina and Baylor once again. So you're right. They, I, I think had Columbia gotten that Michigan win, they probably could see themselves as locks in the top 16. But to your point, you're absolutely right. It is going to be a struggle for them. But the depth of this Ivy League conference, it, it's outstanding this year. And there's a larger conversation probably to have about the larger overlap between, you know, these Ivy League schools getting better and, you know, the, the type of player that or the type of tennis player that is attracted to the Ivy League, why tennis players would be attracted to going to Ivy Leagues, how they've managed uh, to get these five-star recruits, these blue-chip recruits to go play Ivy League tennis over these past couple of years. That's a conversation we can have another time. Uh, but, you know, just from a tennis standpoint, they're it's going to be a really fun conference season in 2020 in the Ivy League, and it feels like there are going to be some serious stakes in some of those dual matches. Those were the big uh, results coming out of the blue and gray. We got to talk about Harvard a little bit there as well. I tried to put this off as long as possible, oh, but the yeah, biggest upset, yeah, the biggest upset ranking-wise of the weekend. Let's get this out of the way. University of Michigan Wolverines number four in last week's. Uh, ITA rankings play their first outdoor match of the season. They go down to Stillwater and they take it from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State winning that match 4-0. I don't even want to talk about this. So Matt, I'll go first. Your takeaway? Yeah, disappointing, right? So I just I think even in doubles, right? Michigan is so good in doubles, or typically they're they're really really good in doubles. We spent a lot of time talking about that. This is just not really a match that I expected them to lose, especially coming off indoors where they just, they looked really, really good. There was a confidence, kind of a swagger about Michigan. And I was like, okay, you know, they're going to beat up on some teams that they should beat up on. You know, of course, you know, when they're playing the the absolute best in the country, that's, that's going to be tough. But a school like Oklahoma state who is solid throughout, I mean, let's give them credit. They have a lot of good players, but I just, I didn't see a way where Michigan was going to lose four points to OSU. And and that's exactly what happened. I mean, when you look at it, tough, tough doubles points. Um, and then in the singles, I just, you know, obviously Vassal at one is, is a good player, but, um, you know, Andrew Fenty didn't get the loss there, but I mean, the way he was going down in that match um, and that, that wasn't really a good look for him. And then really just the depth. I mean, that middle part of the lineup where for me, that's where I don't really like Oklahoma State. I mean, I, I like them at the top. Obviously, Vassal, Kolovsky, those are two pretty darn good players at one and two. But then, you know, three through six is is iffy. And I thought, you know, with Seymour, the way that Connor Johnston had been playing, and obviously Nick Beattie, um, you know, that those guys were going to come up with some wins. And, you know, they all went down in, in straight sets, really. I mean, none of these matches were super tight. Um, you know, the, the, the court two match was pretty close that went unfinished between Styler and Kolobsky. But yeah, I, I just think a disappointing result after how well they played at indoors, um, you know, they're going to have to regroup and, and they actually did regroup and, and had a good win, in my opinion, uh, a couple of days after this. Yeah, and we'll talk about that Notre Dame match in a second. But to get back to your Oklahoma State points, one, um, just to say this, it's a disclaimer. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Uh, you're never going to play well in your first outdoor match. And these Michigan guys, I'm sure, have not hit a ball outdoors in over two months. Um, yeah. So that is just a factor. And, of course, it's going to be sloppy. It's going to be windy in still water. That's just how bed water. Is it still water or bed water, Chris? 
it's still water. Yeah, it's still water. Okay, so leave that in, Westoff, for sure. But it's going to get windy in still water. I'm and, sure that's, that, that's just going to make for a, a, a great welcoming party for you for NCAAs right there. Yeah, exactly. Well, I got it right. Let's be clear. I got it right the first time. I was confident at first, and then I doubted myself. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and again, we're complimenting his team. But, um, you know, that, that Oklahoma State took the doubles point was critical because even though Michigan won that match against Texas, to ask this Michigan team, given the you know where they're at four through six, especially as you start matching them up against other top ten teams in the country, um, that's just not going to be their strength. Fenty Styler, they don't get losses here. Sure, they were down uh, at you know Fenty was down at one, but those are toss ups. Those are either ors. Maloney at six was down a set, but up five three. That's confidence. In, uh, that's inspiring for the Wolverines that they seem to have found the guy that they want at the six singles position, a guy who can compete with all of these different teams at that position. But we always said the struggle is going to be the middle of the lineup, and that Matthias Seymour was playing so well to start the season was a huge boost. And, of course, Styler, I think we can continue to expect to see him succeed at two singles. But, you know, Seymour, since being sick has, and just over this past month, has not played as well as he did in January. Uh, he takes a straight set loss here. You know, Connor at four, he played out, you know, outstanding, out of his mind at the indoors. Uh, but he's never going to be one of the strongest four singles in the country. And then Beattie, five and five, that's just a good match. And, like, yeah, Beattie's been the match, the swing match a lot of these times. He's the Arizona the Wisconsin in terms of the Electoral College for Michigan in these matchups. Um, but it's just, you know, some days those things don't go your way. Now, Chris, flip side for Oklahoma State. They're in the Big Six, uh, the Big 12. But this win for them, you know, huge, right, for their ranking? Well, huge for the ranking, absolutely. You get credit for beating the number four team. And, and honestly, it only dropped Michigan to number five. So next week, they're still going to have a win over number five on their record. I mean, I, I don't think we expect to see Michigan stay quite that high. But with the wins they've put up this year, they're going to be highly ranked all year. So that's going to be a great ranking win uh, for Oklahoma State. But, yeah, the Big 12, I mean, that's you, you still have to look at that conference and say – they're behind the three Texas schools, assuming that Brooksby's back in the lineup at some point. Uh, uh, I say the three te- uh, behind Texas, TCU, and uh, and Baylor, and then Texas Tech. Who knows? You know, I, they're they're in there as well, and and, and Oklahoma. So, geez, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Who knows what to make of where they'll be conference wise? They could. It'll be just like it has been for the last several years where five of the six teams are very likely to be top 25 teams. Yeah, uh, it, the Big 12, we talked about the depth of the SEC. I know in terms of depth, there just aren't nine teams. You know, there are only six. But, I mean, one through six, this conference, it, from top to bottom, if that's the expression, it's as good as it gets in the country. Every match is going to be a battle. And, yeah, I think we can expect to see this Oklahoma State team compete, you know, maybe not quite at that big three level, though, with Baylor uh, struggling the way they have. Certainly, Oklahoma State can pull that one out. I mean, they can beat the other two teams as well. It's only recently that TCU got over the 500 mark. Uh, yeah, they've been hot of late, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good win for Oklahoma State. For Michigan, the flip side, as Matt mentioned, they rebounded, and it's once again Andre Styler doing the job, clinching it for the Wolverines 4-3 in South Bend against Notre Dame. I mean, Matt, 1-1 one one this weekend. I don't think we learned anything we didn't already know about the Wolverines. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I will say this. Going to Notre Dame and playing indoors there is is very difficult. I mean, I've seen teams struggle up there. The courts are so fast. There's not a lot of room, like, behind the baseline. The, the, the screen is very close to the baseline, so you can't back up at all. Just a tough place to play. And, yeah, once again, Andre Styler comes up huge. Um, taking out Axel Neff, who's a really tricky lefty player, who's very good as well. Um, he's been great all year, Styler. He had that one uh, that one setback. I can't even remember who he lost to early early on in the year, but since then it doesn't seem like he NC looked- State. Yeah, NC State. Right. That that's the one. NC State. If if you would have won that match, man. I mean, the guy literally it doesn't seem like he's lost all year. Um, and and again, Michigan wins the doubles here. And, and to me, that's huge. When they win that doubles point, I just, I feel like 
the the their confidence, the the dual match outcome just looks so different because they know that they're going to have a good chance to split the singles. When they lose that doubles point, like they did to Oklahoma State, I mean, it's it's tough to find four singles wins really against a, a ton of teams in the country. So, um, great way to rebound after losing that tough one in a tough environment at Notre Dame. I, I think they did very well. Yeah, I think, you know, I just talked about in that Oklahoma State match, losses from 4-5, and five, their seniors bounce back. They take the doubles point, get wins at the 4-5 and five singles position. Styler does his thing. You're right, his loss to NC State, his loss to Cookerman uh, at the indoors. That's really it. Yeah. Uh, the, guy, the freshman has just been so clutch. Chris, your thoughts on this match and, you know, maybe your thoughts. Any implications? What do you think of this Notre Dame team who— I think we thought fairly highly of coming into the year, and right now they're sitting at five and five. I mean, this is a heartbreaker for the Irish. Yeah, the, I mean, this is one of these teams that's going to be a really de- well. First of all, they're going to move up the rankings through the year, but they're going to be a really dangerous team for people if you don't take them seriously because you don't see them right. You don't see them ranked. They're just outside the top fifty right now, um, yep. and and they're they're definitely a really good indoor team but they're not going to be a slouch uh team outdoors either uh and they've they've had a various guys in and out of the lineup they're they are a very good team uh and when you've got Ciamara McCormick and Neff up top there I mean that's a none of those guys are easy to play uh I mean like like Maddie said Neff's a tricky lefty Ciamara is just super solid McCormick hits the snot out of the ball um, I mean, very tough. And then they're, and then they've got, uh, they, they have a lot of depth and a lot of options in what they can play, uh, play down low. So they're, they're a good team. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's definitely going to be, they'll be one of those teams, much like the SEC's kind of got that next tier of who's going to step up. They're right there in that next tier, uh, in the ACC after, you know, UNC and Wake probably of, who steps up uh, out of there? For the record, it's Axel Neve, just to throw that out there. Uh, I don't know if it's Stillwater or Bedwater, but I do know it's Neve, not Neff. Um, I don't so like that to... at all. I don't <laughs> like that, man. Sorry, Axel, but I'm calling you Neff. <laughs> I like that. Well, it's the ACC. It's your conference, Maddie. So when, I don't know if it's a home match or an away match, but when they take on your brother's Blue Devils, which way are you leaning? Yeah, no, it's going to be at Notre Dame. That's the problem. It's a very tricky matchup there. So I think that might be later on down the road, early April. Um, hopefully, I mean, I hope that could be outdoors. If it's indoors, problems for Duke. I, I just, I don't, I don't know how good that's going to go. If it's outdoors, I like the chances much better. Um, yeah, it, the Notre Dame certainly has uh, earned a right. I mean, this 4-3 loss, yes, they're 5-5, five and five, but you look at their schedule, I mean, the losses are, you know, not bad at all. Lost to Kentucky 5-2, 4-2 Arizona, 4-3 Indiana, that one probably hurts. 5-2 Illinois, now 4-3 against Michigan. They'll have uh, Louisville up next. They still get Northwestern as well. Sorry, go ahead. I would say that Kentucky loss hurts more than the Indiana right now because Indiana's higher in the rankings than Kentucky is, but but they, but that Kentucky loss I, I would is going to get better as the year goes on. Here they they just haven't had the opportunity to pick up the wins yet, but they will. Yeah, I, I agree. So I think this Notre Dame team, I know they're 500 right now. I don't think that's going to be an issue for them at all. I think we're going to definitely be seeing them in the NCAA tournament. That's really the big results. There are a couple we can run through real quickly uh, in terms of the notable ones. And again, huge shout out to you, Chris. Your week behind feature on your website, collegetennisranks.com. So helpful in compiling these lists. Uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Iowa, interesting results for them. They beat Denver 4-3. They lose to Utah 4-3, but they're competitive. TCU, they're riding that momentum. 4-0 win over uh, SMU, and then a 6-1 win over USF. That was a lot trickier than that 6-1 scoreline conveys. Of course, the other big result I have to mention, Liberty. They knocked out Penn State, Chris, 5-2. Another, yeah, another big win for Trevor Fauché, Derek Schwann as well, but Trevor Fauché and the Flames. Um, no, I'm just kidding, Coach Schwann, of course. Uh, but for, you know, on those results, on the other notable things, Chris, then Matt, any final observations from the past week? 
No, I mean, I think that it's just, it's that time of year, like you said, it's a lot of sort of mid, mid-level. I, I do want to mention to kind of like we did, or I did earlier in the year with Bill Richards at Ball State. I saw, uh, I saw something from uh, Loyola over the weekend that said uh, Coach Rick McClure, who's actually the coach of the men's and women's program there, uh, has been the the men's coach for 40 years and the women's coach for 31 years, just picked up his 800th win over the weekend, which is That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, Richards was crazy at 700. That's in, in one you know, that's one team, but uh, McClure got at least two chances probably every weekend with the men and the women. But still, congrats for uh, 800 wins. That's that's ridiculous. And to be coaching for 40 years at the same school. Uh, also, react. I think what I read when I pulled up the article said he was the second longest tenured coach, which I assume is to to Bill Richards. I'm not I, I won't swear to that, but hey, congrats to him. I love seeing stuff like that. Yeah, Maddie, your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo what Chris just said there. I'm, I'm glad he brought that up because that is a huge, huge achievement. Um, other than that, I mean, there, there's really not much that I took out of it. Nothing groundbreaking, you know. It, it, this this past weekend isn't going to make or break anybody, I don't think. So, you know, even Michigan having that little setback, you know, they bounce back against Notre Dame. Uh, good for them. I think this next week, uh, you know, coming up is is going to get better, a little more interesting um, because we're starting conference matches as well. So as we get into that now, um, you know, most of these weekends coming up are, are going to be super stacked. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun time as it always is to be a college tennis fan. This week's random shout out. We should, of course, give a shout out to uh, the D3 Men's National Indoors Champion. I, it wasn't, uh, this shows you how prepared I am. I believe it oh, wasn't Emery. Yep. No, it was Emery. Yeah, it was Emery. Yeah, so so shout out to Emory. Shout out also, of course, to Presbyterian College. Our four three match of the week. Presbyterian knocked off Appalachian State. That was a gem. Uh, you're always down for a good four three match, and we certainly got that from our boys at Presbyterian. So shout out to them. Uh, that's the past week of tennis. Let's quickly look ahead here. The fun matches on the week uh, uh, moving forward. We've got Stanford at Texas and Stanford at TCU. So they deal with the Texas swing. Alabama's going to Florida. Ole Miss at TCU. A match that you know two months ago would have been outstanding. Baylor uh, at Illinois. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. Some some NCAA ramifications, Alabama at South Carolina, Pepperdine at Oklahoma, LSU with Vanderbilt and Kentucky coming in. Those could literally be play-in matches. And then Clemson, Georgia Tech. Chris, uh, then Matt, any thoughts on the week ahead? I say, well, I don't think one that you didn't throw in there that I think is going to be uh, a really interesting match Friday is Ole Miss at TCU. So Ole Miss, who we talked about, kind of being a surprise on the rise, TCU who had been, you know, a rough start and on the rise, you know, one, one of them's going to have the rise halted for a, at least a, a short period there. So that that's a very interesting match to me to be watching for out of the, out of the non-conference stuff. But yeah, I, I'm, it's it's good to, to see the, uh, the conference play get started here. Yeah, and, and I'm excited to learn even more about Stanford because I know that's a team we both have questions about still, Chris. Yeah, and I did see that I, I was curious. I, I don't even know who they, they played, to be honest, but I was curious to see uh, what the status on Woldeep was after indoors, right? Because we saw him the next day in a sling. So, uh, you know, you know, my first thought when I saw him was, oh, my gosh, this doesn't look good. But wh- whoever they played last, and I don't remember who it was off the top of my head, uh, I, he was in the – he played. So, obviously, that was just a – precautionary i'm sure keeping it uh, keeping it isolated so i would expect we see them at, at full health and and yeah that's a that's going to be an interesting match to see what ha- how the the low end uh, of that match works out and for texas uh, i would assume they'll have cleve harper back by friday it's what but it, yeah it's only tuesday now so he'll, he'll be back for that match i'm sure yeah, because he's playing in Calgary this week. He is playing in Calgary. Yeah, I, I, he I left off my list of Canadian guys up there with Galarno and uh, you know and Tahabadi and and uh, Diallo from Kentucky, Josh Peck from Carolina. I didn't even see when I went through that draw. I didn't even see Harper's name, and you know, of course, Martin Joyce calls me out on it within like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, no, no I was on. Good for him. I'm on livestream.com backslash ATP today, and one of the names was like dot, dot, dotted out because whatever was at the, there just wasn't enough space, and the first name was Cleve. And I was like, well, there definitely aren't two Cleves playing tennis. So, like, this has to be Cleve Harper, right? Huh. And I was right. It was literally oh, Cleve Harper. Really more than two foos, right? <laughs> yes. Do, do we want to do this here? Chris, it's up to you if you want to do this here. I'm down. <laughs> What's the difference between Connor Foo and Ryan Foo? A lot. Really? A lot. Are they related? I have no idea. But the, there <laughs> definitely could be differences. Like, I, I, whatever. We're not doing this now. Uh, we're not doing this now. I see West off in the background, and I agree with him. We're not doing this now. Um, but still, I mean, great week of results. That Matty, your, I mean, anything to add again on the week ahead? Yeah, definitely. So you know, obviously, I'm going to have my eye closely on both of the Stanford matches and both of the TCU matches. But a couple of the other ones that I think are going to be interesting. How about Kentucky at Texas A&M, right, to kind of open up SEC play? I think that's an interesting match to see if Kentucky can kind of, you know, make an impact there. Hopefully Draxel will be in the lineup um, and, and they can play well. I think that's one to keep an eye on. And then how about Baylor and Illinois, guys? So, I mean, looking at this, Baylor sitting at 21 in the rankings, Illinois at 45. I mean, who would have thought that if we're, if we're going back a month? No. Nobody yeah, what a brutal ever match. Thought, right. I mean, nobody would have ever thought Baylor would have been sitting at 21 and Illinois at 45. That's just ridiculous when you're looking at that. But obviously, these are two teams that need to win. Um, so I think this is a very important match. It's going to be at Illinois. I will be very interested to see how that one goes. No, oh, that's for sure one to monitor as well. There's always so many fun college tennis matches throughout the week, and of course we will be covering them all hopefully on next week's mini break as well. That's all of the news uh, match-wise. Chris, you mentioned win number 800. Uh, it was also win number 100 for Coach David Roditi today. So congratulations to Coach, one of the you know big fan of him here at Crack Records. He's always been so kind to us. So man who certainly has even more uh, incredible accomplishments ahead of him for his TCU tennis program. Also worth mentioning, and this isn't a fun one, but it's just something we have to mention, Coach Michael Center officially uh, sentenced for his role in the pay-for-not play, as we like to affectionately call it, scandal. Uh, I believe he ended up being sentenced, and I want to clarify on this because I don't want to be wrong, uh, to six months in jail for his role um, in in allowing uh, you know a player onto the team who was not actually playing, uh, and that, that's really sad, of course. Uh, it just uh, puts a bow on what was not fun time, uh, and obviously for his Texas men's tennis program that they've bounced back so quickly after going through that turmoil. It's a testament to the players, too. Uh, in this first, uh, first interim, now full-time head coach Bruce Burke, uh, that they've been able to bounce back as quickly as they have, but that, uh, that whole scandal now officially... Uh, finished uh we know the result of that so that's all that's going on only one last thing for us to do top eight rankings and we can go through them quickly because not that much has changed maddie we've i feel like we've cut you out way too often today so you go first give me your top eight all right um i have no change in one through three so usc north carolina and ohio state sitting there at one two three that's what i had last week now michigan's moved back for me so i had michigan at four i've dropped them a couple of spot so i moved florida up to number four i've got texas at five and then i've got michigan sitting there at number six um so a little bit of movement there for me and then the only other thing is um you mentioned coach roditi's 100th win i'm gonna go ahead and bump them up from eight to seven in my rankings um they had a couple of wins this past weekend i thought they looked pretty good overall um so i had columbia at seven and tcu at eight i just went and flipped those two around so I've got TCU sitting at seven right now, Columbia at eight, and and that'll do it. Interesting. No new additions or subtractions from your top eight. Chris, where are you at? Yeah, same. No additions or subtractions for me. Uh, A little more more drop for me for the Wolverines, so I dropped them to eight uh, and kind of slide everybody else uh, up a little, but I, I think it's probably the same order. I've got TCU seven. Columbia six, and then I think my top five are the same as Maddie's. Texas five, Florida four, Ohio State three, Carolina two, and USC one. And I'll have to say, 
deeply disappointed in the TCU tweet about Coach Roditi's record. He picked up his hundredth win. They mentioned, uh, you know, in in that tweet that he was uh, uh, what it was like sixty nine and six over the past six years, and then they dropped at overall one hundred and thirty. Well, I can't look at that without going. Well, that means he was only thirty-one and twenty-four to start. <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> so. No, that's actually that's a that's a really good point. It speaks to him turning it around. By the way, Dusan Lajovic hit. So uh, this is just a little fun. Uh, Dusan Lajovic just ended up beating Steve Johnson. So there's going to be a part two to this mini break, folks. Pro related coming out tomorrow and. Boy, are you in for a treat after that Dusan Lajovic win. Sorry, that's where my head is at. But yeah, you know, credit to Coach Roditi, that TCU program, again, that they were able to get the win. Um, in terms of the top eight rankings, I told you guys Michigan at number seven would look smart. Uh, my rankings staying exactly the same. USC one, UNC two, Ohio State three, Florida four, Wake five, Texas six, Michigan seven, TCU eight, and I still feel pretty good about that despite wake uh, going one and one with baylor thus far this year uh, it's the eye test folks i know what i saw with that wake team at the indoors and that pick will pay dividends moving forward well that'll do it though for today's college tennis roundtable if you missed any of the other actions from, from throughout the week be sure again to go check out chris's website collegetennisranks.com a huge thank you again to all of you college tennis fans who have subscribed to our Patreon uh, to support us again, that sort of support allows us to go to events like the indoors to hopefully be able to be on the ground for the national championships in Oklahoma as well. All of those sorts of things. We can't tell you how much how we appreciate it. And if you missed any of our coverage of the indoors, again, the place to check all of that out, crackrackets.com, where we've got fun pieces going on. Uh, I happen to write about Francis Tiafo this week. I want to give my thanks to all of you who reached out on social media. Uh, to commend the piece and just, you know, all of the support we can get in these early going stages means the world to us here at Cracked Rackets. So thank you to all of you. Thank you, of course, to our friends at Diadem Sports. Again, Diadem at the forefront of all things going on in the racket and string world right now. They support us. We ask you to support them, and you can do that by using our promo code CR50 to get 50% off your purchases. Shout out, as always, to the super producers, Max Lingner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of it any job they have to do and they continue to do on each and every one of these podcasts but that'll do it for now we will be back tomorrow for my wonderful co-hosts matt stokoyak and chris halioris our super producers max Linger and daniel westoff and our sponsors at Aerobar and diadem and all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin guys what do we tell the people that's the break that's the break and and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone